This is Fuse FM. Concerns have been raised over the University of Manchester's racism reporting process. Students said the system was complicated and difficult to navigate. Here's Nemo Omar who broke the story. A few months ago, I was in the middle of a lecture and I experienced something personally that I thought was really, really troubling. Um, and I saw in action how the University of Manchester's reporting process actually works. Um, and I felt completely disenfranchised, completely um, forgotten within this massive institution. And I thought if I felt like this, other people must also feel like this as well. The uni says it takes racism extremely seriously. The UCU have voted in favour of industrial action after a dispute on pay and pensions for university staff. A Manchester University spokesperson said it was hopeful that any industrial action could be avoided. The number of people sleeping rough in Greater Manchester has gone down once again this year. The latest figures showed a 19% fall in the region. And finally, Manchester has been named as a music capital for free genres. The city was named the capital for rock and indie, EDM and hip-hop. That's all for now. You're in focus. Manchester Student Radio. And on that note, you're back here with us. It's another exciting instalment of Fuse in Focus. How are we all feeling about that? Good. I am your host for today, James, and I am joined by... Josh. Nicole. Rebecca. And we are going to be discussing just a few select stories from the week in uh, maybe slightly more detail than you might otherwise get in the uh, news bulletin that you just heard. I think before we start, we should say a massive thank you to Nicole, who is the Deputy Editor-in-Chief of the Mancunian, very busy lady, and she has given up her time to help us out today. So thank you very much for being here, Nicole. That's all good. Right, so um, on that note, I think the way that we would sort of conventionally do this, uh, if you've not heard the show before, we'll have three stories, we'll talk for each of them for about... 10 minutes ago um, and then we'll just sort of just sort of flesh them out and there's a little fun story at the end for everyone that we all like to enjoy so to start off this week um, Josh what's been happening what hasn't been happening there we are in the midst of a general election campaign um, the campaign officially kick-started on Wednesday I believe it was after Parliament was dissolved and Boris Johnson went to sit down for an audience with the Queen. And it hasn't been the smoothest of starts to an election campaign, has it, James? No, for nobody. Like, all parties have been having a bit of a hard time with it. There's been a lot of controversy and a lot of um, backstabbing already. And it's week one. Yes. And it's brilliantly exciting. Can you uh, can you think of a time that a, a cabinet minister has ever resigned on the first day of a general election campaign? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Nicole, have you been following events? Have yeah, that was uh, my housemate's MP. So, oh wow, yeah. okay. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. I think it's been a really interesting start to what is going to be. Yes, it's going to be it's going to be brutal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even. Students as well, um, with the date of the general election. What do we think about the date of the election, Rebecca? Are people are going to have, have, have gone home before we've even had a chance to to start <laughs> to start thinking about voting and who we're going to be voting for. Yeah, I mean, I'm not eligible to vote, but just talking to my flatmates, people don't know because a lot of students are registered at home and in Manchester. People don't know where to vote. They don't know whether they're eligible to vote at home or here, and it's just I think there is confusion for students who have two bases. Um, so we'll see. I don't know whether people will end up voting at home. I guess it depends. Um, I guess you just need to vote tactically and um, it depends on um, where your vote has more sway or can make more of a difference. 
And I think that's the sort of interesting thing about this, because maybe this is just my confirmation bias in the people that I speak to, but everyone I know is just Lucas. voting tactically. Like, I'll yeah. be voting tactically. Uh, I was talking yesterday to uh, the station head, Mia Edwards. She's voting tactically. Everyone I know, they're voting tactically. That's two people. That's me and one other person. 100%. That's if you, everyone. If, well, if you want to know more about students voting tactically, you should visit thebankedian.com because there I'm might sure. be a story written by somebody sat around this table about, <laughs> about tactical voting. Yeah, our wonderful investigations editor, Josh. Can we talk a little bit about the, the campaign and how it's got off to this, this rocky start? Um, so where do we even start with this? Uh, the thing that I think probably um, is worth us... So literally, the Conservative Party launch. I don't know if anybody's seen this, but their campaign launch has attracted quite a lot of sort of... Was it, it was in my hometown of Birmingham? Was it actually where it they was. did it? So they had this launch in Birmingham um, and all of the sort of shots that were taken were very well angled. They were very, like, like, it made it seem like there was far more of a crowd there than there actually was. Like, the pictures that the Conservative Party actually put out, there were these huge swells of people there soaking it in. And then um, there was another picture that I saw it shared by Jess Phillips and Laura Pidcock, which was a picture taken um, of sort of the back of the crowd. And you can see that there's maybe, like, a few dozen people there. And it's clearly very, very sort of, uh, sort of an inclusive... Um, I mean, is that sort of the the best foot for us to start off on, on, on literally the launch, and I we're already a, on smoke and mirrors. I think it's going to be a good sort of uh, preface for how the optics of the campaign are going to look in general, because if you look back to 2017, it was sunny, we had Jeremy Corbyn appearing at festivals, with a chance of, you know, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, and we yeah. had these big massive summer rallies that sort of seemed to sprawl all over the place on beaches and towns and all these sorts of places. That's not going to happen now, because it's going to get dark at four o'clock, and uh, <laughs> there's going to be, uh, students won't be out voting, it's going be a very very different look to the campaign i think and i think the main battleground is going to be on the internet on facebook on twitter mm. all these places another sort of uh, rocky start to the tories campaign was when they posted this video of keir starmer the shadow yes. Brexit secretary did, did anyone else see this i saw this yeah and they basically you know edited it within an inch of its life it wasn't you know many argued it didn't resemble yeah, I did, see did this, you actually. see this Nicole? yeah 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 and what was your thoughts on it Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I sort of see this as a one of many starts to... I mean, I think the Lib Dems have had an incredibly poor start to their campaign as well oh, online yeah, yeah, with yeah, these yeah. very interesting polls that um, have some interesting small print at the bottom. What, what's, the, what's the small print? Have you, have you, have you seen this? It's, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something like, um, if, you, if the general election was tomorrow and none of the other parties were competitive, who would you vote for? <laughs> um, and, then, and then sort of claiming that this was a basis on which to say that the Lib Dems could oust, I think it was... I, I think there was a few constituencies where they were putting them out, but, and it was all based on those bar charts yeah, that, yeah. that were saying like, oh, look, yeah. only we can get close enough yeah. to you know the Conservatives to get rid of them. Yeah. And the bar charts were just... Fabricated. Some very, very interestingly specific wording in the question. They were creative. That's, um, really interesting because it is a two-party system. So for them, that's their whole that's their whole spiel is oh well, if it wasn't a two-party system, if we had any if kind of influence, if we lived somewhere else, if <laughs> in an ideal world. Did anyone see the picture going doing the rounds on Twitter of that student that went to um, a Halloween event as a Lib Dem bar chart? 
Oh, <laughs> did you not see this? No. They went with like this huge sort of sign on the front of what? them with like a Lib Dem bar chart on it. Like, that's interesting. Actually, that's that's a good point. Me and Nicole were at a, a party the other day. It was at Ethan's party, the full major in chief of the Mancunian. It was a sort of a Halloween party, and people were dressed up. And there were a fella there in a white shirt, and he had some, you know, some some you know writing he on. He was also Irish. Yeah, he so was also Irish. This is important to the story. <laughs> and we couldn't really make out what I said. And I said, "What's that on your shirt?" And he went, "I came as the scariest thing I could think of." And on his white t-shirt were the words, "No deal." <laughs> and then, no, and then on the back it said, "The backstop." <laughs> I mean, Brexit was supposed to happen on Halloween, so it was a very uh, politically charged yeah. Topical. celebration. <laughs> a yeah. very, very spooky Brexit. Yeah. Just for a little bit of balance, can we talk about how perhaps the Labour Party's campaign also hasn't got off to the best of starts? <laughs> What's yes. been happening with a certain MP for Dudley? What's he been saying? So I believe, is his name, is it Ian Austin? That's the fella. Ian Austin um, has denounced the party. After I think he served briefly in a um, shadow cabinet position under Ed Miliband. So it's not as if he sort of hadn't cut his teeth politically. And he'd sort of like Lucas. basically said he's had enough of Jeremy Corbyn. He's packed it in and he appeared on, was it Radio 4, I think, or Radio 5 Live? And just, just basically just trashed Corbyn, saying that he was fully endorsing Boris and was encouraging everyone he met to vote Conservative. Um, and it's it, you know it's just not not a right way for a, for a Labour Party one to start you know that that is such a PR disaster. I saw a really interesting tweet from I think it was a, a Sky News journalist and he said for comparison this is a bit like someone like Dominic Grieve coming out and saying he's going to vote for Jeremy Corbyn mm. um, and it just goes to show how absolutely extraordinary the beginning of this campaign has been and I think will continue to be we haven't even gotten to uh, Boris Johnson's tirade in Northern Ireland last night and his um, oh, yeah. have you seen this video and he doesn't appear to be you know have a great grasp of his own of his own Brexit deal I've not seen the video no what's the what's the general he, he gets some sort of basic details wrong Nicole's nodding ahead have you seen this video I, I know what you're talking about yeah he does he gets information about the checks I believe Yeah, I, I'm not. Inter- I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's um, interesting that yeah, the, the our prime minister sort of doesn't seem to have this information on the campaign trail about his own parties. Our eaten, um, educated prime minister who yeah. went to Oxford. <laughs> And it is genuinely very symbolic of how this, this campaign is, is going to go, isn't it? And I think that, especially me, I don't know about you guys, before it started, I thought Boris Johnson was going to be a fantastic campaigner. Not that I'm in any way, you know, sympathetic to his views, yeah. but he won London twice as a, as a Conservative. And I think we might see in the next couple of weeks that perhaps he isn't the campaigner we thought he was. It remains to be seen. It yeah. remains to be seen. But I don't know, fun times anyway. Also worth mentioning, um, I don't know how we've stopped started talking about campaigns starting badly and not address the fact that Tom Watson also mm. resigned, obviously, yeah. from deputy leader of the Labour Party. It felt position. like that happened about three weeks ago. Where's, where, what is happening? How in, in, three in, days in this campaign? In a sort of slower political week, that would be huge. That would be... And, it, and now it just feels like so long ago that's happened. But no, that, that was this... That was like four days ago. So half a week. And as a Labour Party supporter, albeit one who's going to be voting tactically, what does this mean, James? Um, it is, again, it's another PR disaster. So there's been a lot of sort of infighting Lucas. within the party for ages. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but about four months ago... Uh, there was a big internal block of the Labour Party that tried to oust Tom Watson. So there have been tensions there under the surface. 
uh, for a very, very long time. And it's just very unfortunate for the Labour Party and for Corbyn that it sort of comes to the surface as soon as the general election kicks off. And he has his second in command step away and just say, no, I'm washing my hands of this and done. Interesting, isn't it? It is an interesting one. Nicole, can you see someone from the left of the party taking over as deputy leader and that sort of being a, a perpetuation of Jeremy Corbyn's leadership? Oh, I don't wish to speculate. <laughs> you can't. It's impossible <laughs> oh, no. to speculate now, Yeah, isn't it? honestly, who Rebecca, knows? Rebecca, do you wish um, to be silly enough to speculate? <laughs> um, I don't wish to be silly enough to speculate. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> what, what a preface to a question. Yeah. Do you wish to be silly enough? Just, come on, be silly, it's, do it's, it. I, I, I am way silly enough to speculate. I thought we were <laughs> going to leave on the 31st. I thought that he would run through the legislation and then, you know, it just, it just didn't happen. So I, I, I feel I, like in this day and age, anymore. speculation is just, I mean, everything is so unpredictable and turbulent in politics right now that, I mean, even polls, everything's just kind of up in the air. You can... You can't trust the parties and you can't trust the bar charts. It's just chaos. And on that depressing note, should we move on to our, to our another Sonic story? Yeah, let's move on to a much more light-hearted story. So, um, would anyone... Wow, we, we say light-hearted. It, it, it's, um... This is not a light-hearted story. So, um, there was an article... Uh, that was run in the MEN this week. So I'm um, not sure if anyone who's listening might have seen this or if anyone might have actually been present, but there was a student house party in Fallowfield where um, I believe a few gate crashers turned up at the party. One of the hosts came and tried to tell them, sorry, you can't be in here, and just this huge brawl broke out. Um, the language used in the MEN was quite... Um, quite. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? quite colourful yes in, 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 in describing the sort of the attack and the incident um, so I guess I don't know what, what's our sort of initial response to this story to a fight breaking out at a student party it says that trouble flared after a number of uninvited guests stormed the house um, <laughs> and I mean I think this is a you know it's, it's, a, it's a serious story but I think it also gives us a good opportunity to talk about student parties and the sort of things that go down yes. and if they are controlled and then also I think there's, a, there's a, an, an element to this that in Fallowfield which is the, the major student area within Manchester the vast majority of people that live there aren't in the centre and they aren't students. Mm. So there's another element to this, which is, you know, people who are living in and around these, you know, Fallowfield areas and these student areas. I wonder how they feel about these, you know, these crazy parties and dozens of people turning up unannounced and then it, the police raiding it or the council mm. getting called out. And, you know, how do we sort of, how do students be thoughtful but also enjoy themselves? Well, interestingly, The Guardian actually I'm from in Bristol, um, which is an area called Redland, um, which is a very similar story in that it's a lot of students live there, but the majority of people aren't students. And it was essentially a piece of local residents complaining about these massive parties, you know, sometimes with um, like hired bouncers and um, a it, and it really party. Yeah, and I know people who have hired bouncers for their student parties in Fallowfield. I've seen that too. It's yeah, and, that's insane. And, and I do think that this is this is why they do it, and this is what can happen a lot of the time. Is that often people who gate crash aren't necessarily students. Um, there are other people in the area who the party gets out of control. I mean, sometimes they are students, um, but I I do think I think Josh brings up a really interesting point about how how can we as students make sure that we're kind of living you know harmoniously in this community in Fallowfield <laughs> yes. because it's not 
just a student community. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, I think incidents like this happen and it's not great for either side, really. Well, there's obviously nothing inherently bad with throwing a party. I think the issue is if you throw a joint party with your flatmates, you don't know all of their friends, uh, they don't know all of your friends, so it's easy for gatecrashers to show up and you can just assume that they're, they've been invited by someone else. So it can easily get out of hand and that's why people do have bouncers and mm. guest lists for their house parties. They also don't want stuff to get stolen from their flats or houses um, and they don't they want to avoid incidents like the one that was in this article. Um and rental agencies actually have, um, they are actually on the lookout for this as well. So I got a pretty menacing automated email from my rental agency <laughs> this week um, that says, important email, please read. Um, we do have a zero tolerance policy on parties. What? <laughs> zero, <laughs> zero what tolerance. About a well, they say any parties held at your home is a serious breach of your lease and will be treated as such. And they go on to clarify that this includes parties during the daytime, which I guess could include barbecues or <laughs> any kind of gathering. <laughs> um, parties can cause serious damage to a property and a nuisance to, an, to your neighbors, which you would be held liable for. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the universities have expelled students for hosting parties in recent years. I didn't know this was a thing. Has anyone this heard is, of any? Uh, this yeah, is this an is. interesting I, one. I, I think that's uh, maybe a creative use of some facts there. Well, my next question was going to be, what can the university do about this? And it sounds like they it, can it boot just people like, Spell yeah. the party animals. <laughs> yeah. Take your nine grand off you go. University. It just sounds like something that shouldn't be... I mean, your housing situation should not be... I don't know, conflated with your education <laughs> or I your status know, as a student. Yeah, I don't know anyone who's been called in about a party, but I do know people who have had meetings with the university about other things, like things they've posted on their Instagram accounts, things like that. I do think that if locals um, complain to the university about student conduct, the university can take action on that. So it doesn't surprise me that students could be booted out for and having it's, parties. it's not just... Um, a threat from the university because the email goes on to say that in addition to expulsion from uni you also risk large fines from the council and later on in the email it says um, not only would you make yourselves homeless you would then be held liable for any subsequent loss to our company as a result so they're threatening homelessness expulsion from the university fines and it's just the, the thing that sort of really frustrates me about that though is their use of the term party and like like that the party is very yeah. loosely defined it's... there like at what point do you say like oh i'm sorry but you've got four people over this is it's, a party i, mean, I have six down. flatmates so that's already seven of us that can get pretty loud pretty in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're shutting us down for just existing basically <laughs> so do we think that this collaboration between the university the councils the police trying to shut down these parties and trying to sort of clamp down on these overly rowdy parties do we think it's going to make a difference will we see a sort of reduction in the amount of house parties in Fallowfield or is it just going to you know nothing will change I understand that they're looking out for the families that live in Fallowfield who have nothing to do with the university who aren't students and might be negatively impacted by these rowdy festivities going on but um, it doesn't make sense to just kind of completely cut back on everything and Mm. you know take away your fun (laughs) 
it feels a bit heavy-handed and it feels like as much as I can appreciate that you know if you've got like families and they've got like young kids and the kids can't get because there's a bunch of students like yeah of course putting fire extinguishers through windows or whatever I, I don't know I'm not making assumptions <laughs> we are such students aren't we you can tell that this is a student radio but like I, I think in that case yeah I can I can get it fair enough someone should probably intervene but in you're never going to be able to stop students from partying like well, uh, I reckon they'd say, you know, that do it through the proper channels, do what Fuse of Home does and go and You need to have a sanctioned party. Yeah. You I need to have so. clearly marked fire exits. <laughs> Fill out risk assessment forms, please. <laughs> you need at least two people on site that are first aid trained in high vis And a bodyguard. The vo- volume must not exceed 32 <laughs> decibels. We have a fun party. Yes, a, a fantastic fun. party. Well, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, our, our Manchester nightclubs will be having a field day at these reports because they'll be thinking, well, people will now just come to us and spend a lot of money in 42s. We can get more people in fifth. In fifth? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's true. Is that, I think that... <laughs> so were you laughing at the concept of fifth then? No, just, no not me. Fifth, that's such a bad night out. It is a bad night out, though, is it? I, I've been once and I won't be returning. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Yes, let's move on to our third and final main story. So, um, Nicole, I think we may need to defer to you for this. So this is a story on a youth course. Yeah, so um, this summer I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to work with The Guardian um, in their investigation into the country's youth courts and youth justice system. Um, So a team of us spent a month um, in Manchester's youth court um, and the uh, other journalists also sent out various FOIs um, and did various interviews with major figures um, in the youth justice system. And they sort of this week have come out with um, their findings, essentially. Um, so the sort of big headlines are things like cases involving children now take almost 40 percent longer than they did in 2010. Um, with the slowest region, Sussex Central, taking 491 days on average to deal with a child from offence to conviction. Lucas. Reoffending rates for children are higher than they were 10 years ago, with a 40.9% chance of young people committing an offence within a year of being convicted or cautioned in 2017, compared with 28.3% of adults aged 21 or over. Um and there's also things about looked after children which are really interesting and I personally um, saw a lot of when I was in court Um, so looked after children are still being prosecuted regularly for damaging their care homes or assaulting staff contrary to justice guidelines for police and prosecutors Um, so there's a lot in this really and I don't think we'll have time to talk about everything do you you Um, know what made the Guardian want to go and sort of uh, investigate this how did it all start um, so I think there was a figure and I'm I'm Unless I can find it quickly, I'm not going to definitely quote it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was about the number of um, appearances and prosecutions in youth courts decreasing dramatically over the last 10 years. Um, but also a lot of youth courts have been shut down mm. um, over the last 10 years. Um, so I believe you have children coming from quite far away areas of Greater Manchester now into Central Manchester. This magistrate's court is in... Um, it's right next to the John Rylands Library. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they essentially wanted to look at how the courts are functioning and 
whether they're effective. Really. And we found out that the answers to those two questions really, haven't we? Being yes, no and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What yeah. sort of things did you see being in court you know, every single day? Um, there are a few things that really stood out to me. So one of them was children having to come back more than once for the same thing. Essentially, things being rescheduled because of problems with Greater Manchester Police's new computer system, the IOPS system. Mm. Um, the Manchester News has done a lot on this and it is a really, really interesting ongoing story. Um, but, you know, uh, the children are being expected to come back. Uh, often these children coming from quite a long way away, um, some of them probably struggling to get in, um, that sort of thing. It, it, I mean, it's really awful to see. Um, other things that really stood out to me, one day I was there and um, there was a police officer sat next to me at the back of court with this uh, huge, huge zombie knife. And it was, um, it was a sentencing um, of Lucas, a young, young man. Um, I can't remember how old he was, um, but he'd been found in, in Victoria train station with this knife um, and had been reported by a member of the public who saw it at the bottom of... Um, I think they're in the bathroom and they and they saw this knife uh, under the stool and uh, he wasn't you know he didn't use it he didn't get it out um, but obviously you can imagine as a member of the public that would be a pretty terrifying thing to see especially in uh, this climate in the current climate yes. I mean this was shocking um, for me when I, when I read it because I didn't yeah. even know I mean I'm quite ignorant I suppose I've never even considered the youth courts before and I'd never even thought about you know never mind the administration well, I, I think this is an interesting thing is that um, youth courts are not open to the public like adult courts are um, but journalists can go into youth court um, and you know us, I suppose are expected to in the same way that they're expected to co- cover adult court but I think often they don't mm-hmm. generally um, I mean you know a lot of um, reporting so on the ground reporting these days is sort of um, but a lot of local newspapers will still have a court reporter who goes to court every day. Um, and I think very often youth courts just aren't covered um, because, you know, newspapers don't have the budget or, to be honest, people just don't pay that much attention to them. Um, you know, the focus of youth court really, youth court really is rehabilitation, um, which is really important. These are young people. This is, you know, um, I've got, I can't remember the exact ages. I'd say most people that I saw um, were probably between 13 and 16. Um, There were a few that were 17. A couple actually, um, you know, that were about to turn 18 and thinking about how this was going to impact on their adult lives is a really, really important Were you able to talk to any of the minors? Sorry? Were you able to or allowed to talk to any of the minors? No, so I couldn't talk to any of them. Um, I sometimes spoke to the youth justice service but again um you know they had to be very careful about what they could tell us um no i mean we we were sort of there much more to look at general trends and specific cases um although if you do go on to the guardian and read there are some reports on specific cases that were particularly interesting i mean it's quite interesting um i mean just sort of hearing this from quite an external perspective because you say that it's uh, youth court is sort of based around the idea of rehabilitation but if sort of like you know those figures you're reading out at the start like rates of reoffending are going up that suggests that something's going quite wrong and certainly quite amiss with with some sort of process there yeah well i think that's the that's the sort of main 
point of this report that's the that's what I feel the Guardian have really concluded and speaking to certain people um, I can't remember exactly who but someone certainly said that the system was in crisis mm. um, and, and, and that was the idea really was that to try and bring this to light and um, you know increase awareness about it and do you think you know that that will happen now do you think people will pay more attention to these courts you said that journalists are allowed in but they often don't go do you hope that this investigation will sort of put it on the agenda of more you know mainstream media organizations and sort of get journalists going to the youth courts and finding out more about how the system works i certainly hope so um and i mean in scotland um the age of criminal responsibility has just been raised from 10 to 12 i believe what, what um, does that mean in practice does that mean that you can't be tried unless you're 12 or um it's I can tell you exactly but it's about how how responsible you can be held essentially uh-huh. yeah um, oh, this is to do with sort of so uh, below that age you are regarded as effectively a child and can't be yeah, fully accountable yeah, for your yeah. actions because you can't yeah. appreciate what you're doing and, well, and, well, even 12 feels low hmm. like, well, like well, there's, I, I there's was a lot idiot of, when yeah, I was 12 there's a lot of debate yeah completely and there's a lot of debate around it um but I think that's one of the things that The Guardian really wanted to look at is mm-hmm. whether that age should be increased. And it is interesting that it has been increased in Scotland and they've looked at some of the results of that. Obviously, you can read that all on their website. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's things like that that I think hopefully this investigation will just, um, you know, get people talking about, get people thinking about a bit more. Absolutely fantastic. And it's a you know a really interesting story. And we're really grateful for you coming in and talking to us about it, Nicole. Yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, Josh, I can see by the gleeful, childish joy that you've got <laughs> beaming across your face that you're really excited to tell us about our final funny story. This is a, it's an interesting one. So this is courtesy of Manchester Evening News. Um, <laughs> uh, some of you might have seen this report a couple of weeks ago. There was a, a, a police incident on Deansgate and police were called to reports of a suspicious car and there's sort of dramatic footage on the website of these two... Um, two men being dragged out of a car and you know being wrestled to the ground and being handcuffed and, and stuff like this which you know is, is a very it's a very scary story yeah and i think yeah. a lot of us thought okay that's that's terrifying you know the men did great work in getting it out there quickly they had a live blog up they made sure everyone was informed and knew what was happening uh, you know a couple of weeks later i was wondering to myself i wonder what, what happened to that story was it was it a genuine threat what happened what what caused the incident what raised the alarm the MEN have now published another story, <laughs> and it turns out that the two men who were apprehended were actually musicians filming a music video <laughs> in a car when the when the you know the alarm was raised. Um, and there's there's videos and pictures of them on Instagram, you know, with all their gear on, and they're, they're filming this music video, and they've got statements from solicitors and stuff like this. Um, which you know is it's it's, it's it, it shows just how I suppose it's a funny story, but also a, a story that's incredibly pertinent and incredibly poignant because it shows just how dedicated and professional and fantastic and amazing you know Greater Manchester Police are. And even though we can make light of it now, being you know rappers and it being a music video, um, it goes to show just how amazing their responses and how amazing the teams are. So there's our last sort of funny-ish, light-hearted, uh, interesting story, James. What, I, what, I just. I've got so many thoughts on that because that is just so brilliant. Like, do you, do you know the thing, like, in filmmaking where if you've got a stuntman and they injure themselves doing a take, you have to use the take. If you're filming a music video 
and you get arrested. <laughs> like you have to use that footage in the video, surely. Well, is this that is what same I... principle. Oh, and news editor Megan, who is currently on the buttons for us, and she's making us sound wonderful. Um, she said that this is almost certainly going to go in the music video, and almost certainly going to go onto the, the sort of musicians' track. Because it's going to be mega realistic. I mean, I suppose <laughs> it really will be there. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's an interesting story to pick up on because I, also I had no idea what happened afterwards because you you, you hear of these reports and they blow up on the day but then after the fact and a few days later you don't yeah. really hear what happens so it's good to know that this wasn't a, a genuine incident and it was just uh and i i can see why maybe the police were a bit uh willing to sort of have that go swept under the rug like, yeah what? <laughs> so the guys we arrested it turns out they were they were just you know singers. they were musicians <laughs> surely when you arrived on scene and there's four guys and a camera crew and they're lip syncing to a song you're like oh yeah this is a terrorist incident <laughs> Yeah, so there it is. Thank you for being amazing, Greater Manchester Police. Yes, thank you for everything you do and for keeping our musicians off the streets. <laughs> James, <laughs> would you like to see us out and let people know how they can get involved if they would like? I would like to. Um, this has been another exciting episode of Fuse in Focus. If you like the sound of this and you'd like to get involved or there's maybe a story that you'd like us to discuss, please don't keep it to yourself. Uh, you can find us on the Fuse FM News Presenters Group on Facebook, uh, you can find that through the Fuse FM page as well. Very, very easy to get a hold of. Please like us on Instagram as well. That's also really good and really helpful if you do at that. At Fuse and Focus. At Fuse and Focus. We'll post a picture after this of us here, so you can please look at that and give it a like. <laughs> um, and otherwise, the only thing that's left to say is, I've been James. I've been Josh. I've been Nicole. And I've been Re- Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> there was an attempt. <laughs> and our mysterious fourth guest. <laughs> Never heard of her. Well, thank you all very much for listening and uh, good talk, everyone. This is Fuse FM.